some of this, Michael. Be one of us. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. No way in the hallway. Must be a new episode of the Spook House because Jason is up in my house. I am. He even laid a, a nice blanket out for me on the couch. Oh, that's uh, that's actually where Scout. That's what I figured. <laughs> that's kind of what I thought. I'm sitting on Scout's blanket on the couch. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. He he gave me a pass. That's what he thinks of this co-host. Yeah. Well, it is episode fifty-three. John dies at the end. He does. No, he. Well, no, not really. Well, actually, not really. No. And if we sound a little different, a little muffled, just take my word for it. It has been a journey. Technical uh. difficulties doesn't even really begin to describe it. It's been like three weeks in a row of just bad luck yeah. with uh, technical stuff. Hey, it was either put out an episode with not amazing audio quality and be even further behind schedule, yeah. or we're going to roll with it. So, yeah. We're yeah. going to roll with it. It's Whatever. Been, it's been quite the week for, for everybody here. Yeah. For everybody here, me and you. Well, I've been moving and <laughs> was in a car accident and the podcast thing sucks and everything is just a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 It wasn't a serious accident. No, it was still a car accident. That's why I didn't say a, a collision. I just want uh-huh. to say accident. There's a difference between a uh, car wreck and an accident. Yeah, true. You know. Haven't been in one in a long time. This you know, is the first one I've ever been in. The only car accident I was in, I totaled a car when I was 16, ran off a road, ran into a ditch, and came away unscathed. Was that the probe? No, not the Ford probe, <laughs> that piece of shit. Uh, no, it was actually my old stepmom's Nissan something that I was borrowing. <laughs> oh, but gosh. Totaled that shit. Yeah, car accidents. Yeah. Not, not fun. No. Yeah, not at all. But yes, any uh any other exciting developments, Jason? I got a baby on the way. Jason has a baby on the way. Yeah, I want to name him a baby daddy. Spook House Hill will be the child. Oh, <laughs> that's not happening at all. If M hears this, do issue. you have a name picked out or any yeah. front runners? Well, we not even we're not even sure of the gender yet. Okay, so but I, we've talked about some names, but nothing serious. No, it will not be Michael Myers. He will feel. I promise you that. Could it be John Schrode Hill? <laughs> no, it will not be anything Halloween related. I promise you that. Can you name um introducing Paul Stephen Rudd Hill? <laughs> Paul Rudd would have much higher. Uh, Probability of being named after ch- the child being named after him than anybody in Halloween. Fuck it. just name him Doctor Loomis. How about that? <laughs> if your first child's child, if your child's first name is Doctor, I mean, you just gotta roll with it. You know, he's going to be successful. Yeah, could you? Could somebody's name be Doctor? Well, dude, I mean, if Jason Lee's child is Inspector Pilot Lee. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not quite famous enough to do a crazy celebrity name you or could. a Scientologist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
You could. I could. There is, is there, there's gotta be, no, there's one in Greensboro. I think that's the closest one. Oh. I actually was bored one time and I did the, the, that little survey. It's like a hundred or 200 questions long. How are your thetan levels? Uh, they told me, okay, that I would have to go to a Scientology center and have someone read it for, to me. Oh, wow. And I stupidly put in my address and I got all kinds Ooh, of things for a while. And it was when I just moved back into my parents' house for like six months. Uh-huh. And I remember dad brought this Scientology thing to me. He was like, hey, you got uh, you, you got some mail, Jason. Uh-huh. And like, he couldn't look me in the eye. And I was like, <laughs> I had to look. I was like, what? Did I, oh, oh, dad. No, no, no. I promise. I'm not, I was just doing a little funny thing. Oh, I have heard if uh, there's somebody you really don't like, if you want to really fuck with them, sign them up for a bunch of Scientology stuff. Like God. if you know their address, don't do that to me. Or me. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you excited to be a to be a daddy? I am excited. I hope he doesn't quite get that that accent. I've never said daddy. Don't you double my daddy? Ah man, that is It's like he's going back to Snow Hill. Daddy. Daddy <laughs> It's no it's there's an A, not an E there. I don't well, understand. I will babysit your child if need be. I promise I won't play Halloween Six. I was about them. to say I'm just gonna come in and you're gonna have in your the crook of your arms and be like, and this is the part where they've been drugged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have the little thorn symbol <laughs> drawn on their stomach. Or right, probably bl- his forehead. I'm gonna be in a black robe, like with my arms up, up <laughs> in the air, like the intro. You're like, Phil, are you playing Halloween Six again? Oh no, it's little... so, but it's on VHS this time. It was a screener copy. <laughs> There's been an accident. I need a doctor. What oh, kind of an God. accident? Let's get me a doctor now. <laughs> it's like easy, Paul Rudd. You don't have to go from one to ten. Stephen Paul Rudd. Sorry. Introducing Stephen Paul Rudd. This is pre Clueless. Okay. <laughs> That's right. It was. Yeah. Even though Clueless came out first due to Halloween reshoots. Oh yeah, that's right. I but forgot technically, about that. it was the first movie he was in. Yes. As if. It's taken us five minutes to start talking about Halloween Six. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> All right, Jason. Well, it's been a little while since I've seen you. So, have you watched anything worth a shit? I watched a couple <laughs> things. All right. All right. Since we're doing John Dies at the End this episode, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what other Don Coscarelli movie I never watched that came out around this time? Phantasm? No, that came out in 78. I've seen that millions of times. 76? 76. Yeah. Mid to late 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh,. And so I watched Bubba Hotel, which came out around time, same time as John Dies then. All right. That came out before. It I did. Think. It did come out before. It was like mid-2000s or something? It was like 2003, I believe. And what? I had never seen it before. It's on Tubi. I was like, let's give this a watch. It's really good. Really? I actually might like it better than John Dies at the end. Okay. But it's got Bruce Campbell in it. And you remember the, the doctor who eats Jason's heart in Jason Goes to Hell? I sure do. Well, he's JFK in this. Oh, wow. Or he says he's JFK, that it was a whole conspiracy. The CIA killed him, didn't really kill him. They just dyed him black and sent him to a, a home. Okay. So that was the whole thing. It was pretty funny. And then Bruce Campbell is Elvis, mm-hmm. or he might not be Elvis, we don't know. And they're fighting a mummy who's killing people at a old folks' home. Huh, okay. It's pretty good. I really enjoyed Sounds it. It's pretty cool. funny. I know it has a decent cult following. Yeah, it so... does. I will give that a shot because I like anything that Mr. Coscarelli has done thus far. That last Phantasm movie, from what I understand, is really bad. I guess I should just go ahead and say this. I've seen the first Phantasm many years ago. I kind of remember it. Okay. I haven't seen any sequels. 
Phantasm yeah. 2 is really, really good. It's really? hard to find because it's the only one that's like Phantasm, I think was the first it was an independent movie. Like maybe like Warner Brothers picked it up and then Universal made the second one and then Universal didn't make any other one. So a lot of times you'll see like one, three, four, and five kind of together, but gotcha. the second one is not included in that kind of thing. Okay. But Phantasm 2 is probably the best in the series. I will try and get to those someday. Yeah. I need to go through his whole filmography because I tell you, we're going to break down John Dies at the end, but I'm picking up what he's putting down. Oh, you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. He's only like 60 years old, too. Apparently, he made like Phantasm when he was like 20 years old. I was trying to think. I was like, wow, this guy must be up there because Phantasm is over 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, but he's like. 50-something or 60 years old, I was like, wow. And I was like, oh, that's right. He was like 20, 23 years old when he made Phantasm. So I guess it would kind of add up to why he's not as old as you would think he would be. Hmm. All right. Well, Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep, give it a watch. It's a good time. So I also watched this movie. It's, it's a very infamous movie. It came out in like 2010 or 2011. It's called Birdemic Shock and Terror. It's infamous, like it's like the room levels of all, like an infamous piece of shit. Yes, exactly. Okay. I watched the Rift Tracks version of it because it was funny. Uh huh. But that holy shit, uh, it's, it's literally it's like the room levels of even Troll Two was like, dude, you don't know how to make a film, bro. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like they're at the beach half the time and you can't hear the audio because the the wind and the waves are like overcrowding all of the audio. Uh huh. And it's just awful. Hey, and, like, the CGI birds look like something you would see, like, a screensaver from 1994. Oh, nice. <laughs> what is it on? Uh, I watched the Riff Tracks version on Amazon Prime, I believe. Okay. And, but it's, it's, you can find the regular version anywhere. But it's, if you're in, like, really bad, awful, the room levels of awful movies, give it a watch, because it is bad. There's actually right. a sequel to it. Oh, well. I don't know what that one's called. Birdemic 2, I guess. It's a strong possibility. Yeah. I would take shots at their audio quality along with you, but ours probably isn't that great, so I'm going to refrain from throwing out any disses right now. Yeah, it's probably I apologize true. again. Also, one last thing I watched. Uh, it's a four-hour documentary called In Search of Darkness. Have you heard about this? Yes, it's I've been meaning to watch now. it. Yeah, uh, It's pretty good, even though it's pretty very surface level. Really? They just go like, here's 1980, and here's a couple of highlights from 1980. Here's 1981, and here's a couple of highlights from 1981. Mm. It's very surface level. Well, I guess it would be good for like an entry level. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure we know most of that shit. Yeah, but. exactly. That's kind of how I felt about it. Like, I mean, it's not bad. It was a fun watch, but it's a good thing to have it. Like, if you're doing something mm-hmm. and like have it on the background, that'd be a fun watch. But it doesn't really go deep into like what was going on in the 80s and the horror movies. It just goes like, all right, so 1980 come out. Here's Friday the 13th, and then we're going to talk about the Prowler or something, and it's just yeah. like, you know, like five minutes on each of these movies. But for a documentary that's over four hours long, I would kind of think maybe you can go a little bit deeper. Sure. I was a little disappointed in that, but maybe, it's still a good watch. Maybe dig up some gems that might surprise some people. Yeah, exactly. They talked a couple. There's some other, like, lesser-known movies, but even then it's like Basket Case would be like a, a which is right. a pretty well-known horror movie. So what was the name of it again? In Search of Darkness. In Search of Darkness. Your boy Corey motherfucking Taylor's in it. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) He don't need nothing. No. Not a motherfucking thing. (laughs) God, that new song is awful. (laughs) But yeah, that was pretty much all I had time to watch this week, considering the move and stuff. But yeah, that was the the highlights of this week. Did Did you watch anything since the last time I saw you? 
Uh, yeah, I watched a few things. You mentioned the beach just now, and it kind of reminded me of a little journey I took this past week. So we were in Emerald Isle for okay. a few days, and I was like, hey, while I'm here, I want to go find the Mutilator House, Oh, which is in Atlantic Beach. So it was like a 20-minute drive from us. This was the last day, you know, we were kind of ready to get home. I was like, no, I'm going to go find this house. <laughs> I have the address right here. So we drove 20 minutes out of the way. And could not find this fucking house. Oh, man. So, but I, as soon as we were like, well, I could tell she was like, okay, <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> as soon as like we kind of decided that, I was like, oh, but I bet it's okay. Shit, I bet it's over here. But I was like, okay. <laughs> it passed me by this time. Okay. Now, have you seen The Mutilator? I have. So it's a decent 80s it's decent. slasher. It's fun. 1985. It's, uh... I didn't know it was still in Atlanta Beach first time I saw it, but I saw the like the cop had like the uh, the North Carolina tag on his. I was like, "Oh shit, yeah!" And then I was like, "I bet that was." It said something about Atlanta Beach. I was like, "Oh shit, yeah. I've been there." It's pretty cool seeing shots of Atlantic Beach in the eighties. Yeah, so it's a nice tune right there. Anyways, next time I'm there, I'm gonna make the pilgrimage and I will find that house. Knock on the door. Be like, hey, can you hold this giant hook for me? Really looking forward to taking pictures of it, but whatever. Anyways, it was a fun beach trip. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I watched a few movies. Uh, Not a whole lot to write home about. I threw on Mr. Deeds the other night for some reason. I've been fucking busy, dude. Um, (laughs) I was like, I need something to just kind of fall asleep to that I've seen. I was like, yeah, I'll put this on. Have you seen that in a while? Not since it came out, really. The only really? I can really remember is his feet being black from uh, Frostbite. Oh, yeah. That scene. John Turturro constantly going. It checks all the uh, Adam Sandler boxes, gratuitous advertising, celebrity cameos, some really lazy jokes. Yeah. But there's always like a certain charm to yeah. a lot of his movies. It's like, I know this is bad, but I'm going to watch it anyway. Eh. Yeah. Winona Ryder's in it. Remember that? I do remember that. She was a journalist? Yes. Okay, that's right. And then she gets in a uh, fight with Mr. Deed's mom or something at the end? Mm, yeah, I don't know. You know it's a remake, right? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did not know that. I don't even think I finished it. I just kind of <laughs> started watching it. That's probably for the best. Yes, probably is. Anyways, other than that, I watched Host. A Shutter exclusive. Oh, okay. Uh, not the host, just host. Yeah, it's called okay. Host. And it's uh, it's the one with six friends. They do this seance thing on Zoom. Yeah. It's like 55 minutes long. Yeah, I saw that, and I keep meaning to watch it, but I haven't... I literally I haven't heard anything about it. Oh, it's a, a Shutter. It's almost like an experiment kind of thing. Yeah, it's on Shutter, and it was one of the first movies I've seen that acknowledge that we're in a quarantine and they made it in a quarantine yeah they make little jokes about like oh yeah, i'm here in lockdown and so with the limitations they had it's not bad yeah if you were 10 years old at a sleepover <laughs> this is the movie you want to watch okay it's that kind of yeah jump scare ah but the grown-ass man watching it in daylight this morning i was like <laughs> all right well not bad by any means. Okay. I might give it a watch at some point. Or like have it yeah. on while I'm 
when work or something. It's better than Unfriended. I didn't even watch. Yeah. <laughs> and there are two of those? <laughs> Probably. I think there's two of those now. Yeah. Yeah, The Dark Web. I think it's Unfriended 2, The Dark Web. Oh, okay. Yeah, that whole genre, it it just doesn't do a whole lot for me. I guess it was the next logical step from found footage to... Yeah. Yeah, like the plot, like each person, mm-hmm. the, the the demonic presence like bounces from person to person. So they'll like one of them will hear a noise and they'll like pick up the camera and go look and <laughs> oh my god! And then it'll make a noise in somebody else's room and it'll go to them. Yeah, it's just it's a little silly. I gotcha. It's fifty five minutes. I mean, you can knock it out. In yeah, no time. It's not bad. I give it like a a light five. <laughs> Even though I give everything a five, so you give everything a five, and you just, I have no okay. clue what your five rating is. Prowler need Prowler should have been like a six and a half. Okay, I will I will correct myself on that one. All right, and what did we do last? Week? Hell House, Hell House LLC. You're gonna stay right there. Hell okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Even though it's it's a strong five. Okay, this one's like a, a wet five. Okay, it's like a. Not like a, a Hell House LLC is a five that's about to be called up to the sixes. Uh huh. But uh, Host is a five that's like, okay, you just got here, yeah. so you're just at a five. Hell House still has some carbonation in it. Okay. Host is just a little flat. Somebody let the cap off the drink for a little while. <laughs> yeah, in the trunk of a car. Yeah. In July heat. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, anyways. Yeah, that's the only movies I've watched. Me and Alyssa have been watching Married at First Sight on Netflix. It's our new trash show. <laughs> Couples agree to marry each other, and they've never seen each other. They get paired up by relationship experts. They match them on like their core values, and like, right. well, this person is a uh, is very religious, or they, you know, something like a core value. And they're okay, like, okay, well, we're gonna put them together. And they literally meet as they're walking down the aisle. And they're like, nice to meet you. And they start the sermon and all their friends and family are there. And then it follows them like on honeymoon and then their journey afterwards. Okay. And after the eight weeks is up, they got to decide, decide if they want to get married or divorced. But I thought they already got married. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Do they want to get divorced or stay married? Okay. Yes. It's a fucking train wreck. I, how many of them? Like, just completely fall. So, we are, oh, uh, one couple is, like, about to tear each other's throats out. <laughs> there's actually, like, one couple. They seem to be doing pretty good. The okay. Other, there's four couples total. The other two are, like, they just don't seem right for each other. But we're almost at the point where they decide if they want to get divorced. So, it's okay. total trash. Yeah. But, yeah. Now, is it a Netflix original thing, or is it's it? It's not original, but it's on Netflix. Okay. This is a Bravo thing, isn't it? It sounds like a Bravo channel thing. Uh, maybe. I don't know what it came on originally. But it's hot trash, and me and Alyssa bond over watching hot trash. So there you go. <laughs> no apologies. That's fine. No fucks given. If that's <laughs> what you and, to, you and Alyssa enjoy sharing with each other, then by all means, share people's lives, possibly being completely ruined. Oh, we just judge the shit out of everybody. It's great. Give Could you a- imagine being like a family member at this wedding, knowing that... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of them are kind of weirded out. They're like, this is pretty fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could just imagine you being at one of these weddings and, be like, and just Alyssa being like, Phil, shut up, Phil, don't say anything. Uh. <laughs> like, 
It's like, why are we here? Why yeah. I should be just recording a podcast nah, with Jason right now. I'd hold my peace and be happy for him. On the ride home, I'd be like, well, that's going to be a fucking wreck. <laughs> How many of these families do you think have, like, bedding pools? I'm like, all right, it's going to be four weeks, six weeks. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's getting good, though. Anyways, that's the kind of shit that we watch sometimes. All so. right. Anyways, that's really about it. All right. Well, Jason, I know not a whole lot has been happening yet again, but are there at least a couple of news stories out there? I've got a few things out here. The new Mike Flanagan Netflix television series, seven episodes long, Uh he's directing all of them, has started filming as of August 17th in Vancouver, is where it was supposed to be anyway. I I didn't confirm where it was this time, Uh but somehow it's being filmed now. And this is the All first right. thing that I've really seen in North America that's being filmed right now. Now, there's things in the UK and New Zealand and Australia that did kick off. Yeah. But as far as Canada and America go, this is the first thing I've seen. Well, what's it about? It's about a small community on an island experiencing miraculous events and terrifying omens. That's all I said so far. And it's an original Mike Flanagan thing. Yeah. It was also the book that Katie Siegel's character in Hush had written previously. And you also see it briefly in Gerald's game as the book that she kind of grabs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe it'll be like very contained, like, you know, four actors and that's it. I, I'm not entirely sure. It almost sounds like, do you ever see Storm of the Century, that Stephen King? Yes. That's what it almost sounds kind of like that to me. Okay. That's you know? a decent movie. Yeah. Especially for like 90 Stephen King television adaptations. Now, granted, that was written directly for the television but yeah other it's things. only it's only like what seven hours long yeah i mean yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what it sounds like to me and i'm sure it's completely different from that but they've started doing some filming so far i remember storm of the century was like the first half's a lot better then like doesn't the whole town start to kill themselves and walk off a cliff Sort of. While yeah. the guy's like in the prison. Yeah, he, he yeah. He's saying like, give me what I want and I'll go away. Yeah, but he never tells him what he wants <laughs> until the last. Scout's telling us what he yeah, wants. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's ready to play. Yes, he is. Not now, bud. <laughs> All right, Mike Mike Flanagan. Yes. Cool, cool. What right. else, Jason? This one's kind of funny. Out of a shitty situation, they made something that's just kind of funny to me. So Chris D'Elia was supposed to be in this new Army of the Dead movie from Zack Snyder, the director of the original, not the original, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual successor to that movie. Yes. They've completely taken Chris D'Elia out of this movie, and they've, uh, or they're going to insert Tig Notara into this. All right. From CG, and there's going to, I guess, CG her completely into this movie as the Chris D'Elia character. Oh, wow. Well... I'll go ahead and tell you this up front. I don't give a shit about another zombie movie. I'm, that's going to be a hard pass for me, but all right. What? <laughs> you said, you <laughs> said that, but Jason. then you like Train to Busan. I was trying to remember what that movie was called. I well, yeah. hey, Train to Busan. Yeah, you're right, I guess, but yeah, whatever. Now, this is a Netflix movie, so it should be coming out. It's supposed to come out sometime next year, I think. Okay. And it's it's already been filmed. They just have to completely change this Redo it. Yeah. Damn. That's weird. Yeah. I'll never forget that clip of him realizing that you can save Snapchat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you kind of fucked up there, bud. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. But anyway, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll watch it. 
I never watched Little Monsters that on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it's good. I just never got around to it. Yeah, it's still on there. I'll get to it one day, maybe. I'm too busy watching Birdemic though. Yeah. <laughs> well, what else, Jason? Give us one more. All right. So, do you remember these Fear Street books? They're like a precursor to Goosebumps, but they're a little bit older. You know? Yes. So Netflix has acquired the rights to the Fear Street television, or not television, movie series. All right. So Fox had them originally. They had produced those. Disney had them acquire those rights, and now Netflix bought those movies from Disney. All righty. The first one has been filmed. There's three of them, and they're going to release them next year in three consecutive months. They sound pretty interesting for like a maybe a entry-level teenage horror kind of thing. Yeah. It's directed by Lee Janiak, who did several screen episodes and outcast episodes. Okay. So hopefully that's pretty pretty good. Did you ever watch Goosebumps? I watched the first one, it was actually pretty good. Jack Black. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I I kinda liked it too. Yeah, it was fun. It's a good a good like entry level horror thing for folks. Yeah. They went like meta with it, but it was still kind of fun and not like a ooh, look how smart we're being. It was like, Oh, this is R. L. Stein and everything he writes is real and he Traps it in a book or whatever. Yeah. It was fun. It was a good nostalgia trip. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Fear Street A. I remember when I was a kid, those were always like, ooh, those are hard to read. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> I've got these Goosebumps books, and these covers look cool, but those covers are actually scary. Those were for high school kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, might watch that when it comes out. Why People not? would actually die in those books. Really? Yeah. Okay. And he actually started writing the Fear Street books before Goosebumps. Did not know that. Yeah. What's that dude up to these days? He's still writing Goosebumps books. Good for him. Yeah. Rich as fuck, I bet. Dude, he's made... They call him the children's version of Stephen King. Um. All right, so that's it for news, huh? Yeah, that was the, the big things that I've seen since we last recorded. Yeah. Not a whole lot. It's. I feel like everybody's really gassing out on everything because you just can't do anything at all anymore yeah well hey maybe there'll be a bombshell next week maybe some scream 5 news or something maybe Anyways. something interesting not just like oh this person's now producing scream 5 cool mm-hmm. maybe nev campbell will finally be confirmed for work we know you need to work nev i know she does conventions and stuff she now. does nobody's doing conventions now though that's right nobody is nope well, could you imagine how awkward those celebrity pictures would be? Uh, six feet apart. Yeah, that's <laughs> how they're going to have to be now. Anyways, well, you ready to jump on in to our feature presentation? Yes, I am. So today, we are talking about John Dies at the End. Don't know why I just said it like that. I felt like it. Written by and directed by Don Cascarelli. Based on the David Wong book, who was a pen name for Jason Perrigan. Perrigan. All right. Yeah. So it premiered January 23rd, 2012 at Sundance and took almost an entire year to be released in the U.S. And it was made on a budget of less than a million, grossed $141,951. Yeah. Must have, like, maybe had a limited release or something? Yeah, probably so. And then I'm sure it probably just went straight to video or DVD. Kind of one of those things. Because that was a viable option back in those days, really. Before video on demand was, mm-hmm. you would people would just buy DVDs. And they would, you know, I remember people bought Boba Hotel like crazy hotcakes when it came out. Yeah. 
I saw this back in like 2012 or 2013. Really? Yeah, I like read the premise or saw a trailer or something. And I was like, I'm finding this movie. Maybe I, I like ripped it or something. Maybe. I saw this one a long time ago, and I've revisited it like maybe four or five times since then. Really? I really like the movie. Yeah. Tune in to find out why. <laughs> he gives a five, a strong five. Though. A strong five. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Five and a half. <laughs> well, let's just jump right on up into it, Jason. All right. So we got a little intro here. David, who was played by Chase Williams. This was his first movie ever. Yeah, it was. The theater actor. I think he does a pretty good job. I like both the leads in this movie. Yeah, I do too. I'm kind of surprised they didn't get more work after this. You see them like TV stuff. I've looked at both their IMDb pages. They got some TV work and stuff, but nothing yeah. really that much, uh, you know. Yeah, I like the entire cast of this movie, actually. Yeah. So David is explaining why he decapitated a guy and why he needs to buy a new axe. You meet the reanimated body of the man you beheaded last winter. That's the axe. That's lady. <laughs> This whole intro is like really campy. You're yeah, like, kind of grabs you right away. Yeah, I really like the intro. What I did do you too. Think? It really sets you up because this movie throws a lot of stuff at you constantly. Yes, and this intro throws a lot of stuff at you, like in a really condensed amount of time. But not so much where you're confused. Just like mm-hmm. this happens. Like this, you know, it basically go over the course of a year in thirty seconds. Yeah, it's like well. Why Why is this guy telling me all this? Why am I seeing this? Yes. There's a decapitated zombie with his head sewn back on with weed eater line. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what's happening, but I like it. <laughs> it's campy. It's yeah. gory. It's a nice intro overall. No clue what it means, but I'm on board at this point. Mm-hmm. So we are in the Chinese restaurant, and David Wong is meeting Arnie, played by Paul Giamatti. Now... This movie was made for less than a million dollars, so obviously he couldn't pay Paul Giamatti a lot of movies. So he did this movie because he was a big fan of Bubba Hotep. And Don Cascarelli was writing a sequel to it that never really took off. Yeah. And Paul Giamatti was going to be in that, but that didn't pan out. So he was like, well, what else do you got? And he gave him this part. Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti crushes it. He does. He's really good in everything, though. You oh, know. Yeah. He's even in bad movies. He's still like. Yeah. Like he's probably one of the premier character actors in Hollywood. Like you're never going to see him be like the lead man, the big lead in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, he can. He's done it before, but he always crushes the character actor. Absolutely agree. So David is experiencing side effects from the soy sauce. He's has his inner monologue going on. He's like sees a plate of food and he's like my count had 5,829 grains of rice on her plate the rice was grown in Arkansas the guy who ran the John Deere Harvester was nicknamed Cooter I'm not a genius I'm just experiencing side effects of soy sauce so he's on this (laughs) drug called soy sauce which kind of gives you like superpowers in a way it gives you all kinds of powers really yeah although its origins are never really explained and I was cool with that yeah same yeah. here. Same here. There's some things I need a little bit more, but as far as the soy sauce stuff, I was cool with how they kind of did that. Yeah, we are going to get to all that. So yes. David has called Arnie down to the restaurant. He wants to explain his story. You ever shit yourself, Arnie? You would have if you were there last night. So it kind of goes, it goes back to the night before. 
John is calling David while a Marconi commercial is playing. Marconi, played by Clancy Brown. What's he been in, Jason? Uh, only the greatest movie ever called Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Is that your number one? It's it's definitely top five. Okay. Drink up, ladies, while it's cold. Oh. They're on the roof. <laughs> and he steals one of their beers, too. Thought you were going to say Pet Cemetery too. <laughs> that's always... Anytime I see Clancy Brown, that's that's what I think of. I do think of that dinner scene where they're all eating and he's just like staring at him. Like, like, laughing yeah. with mashed potatoes in his mouth. Yeah. He was also in Highlander and he was also in Starship Troopers. Yeah. He's also another pretty big character actor. Not on Paul Giamatti's level as far as fame goes, but he's a big character actor, yeah. Yeah, he plays kind of a Tony Robbins type person in this. Not really sure what he does. Yeah. He, yeah. So John tells him to come over. And I love the little part where he's like, tomorrow's the night where we kill the president. Like, that means pick up some beer on the way over. That's a pretty extreme way to tell someone to pick up beer. If they're like in somewhere in like DC, it was like, well, you guys are about to get picked up for threats against the president. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hopefully they don't run podcasts through some algorithm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pick that out. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So David goes over to John's house. Shelly's there. She seems kind of off. And they go over to her house and go down to the basement. Because she says her boyfriend has been beating her and her boyfriend has been dead for two months. Oh, that's right. Yes. So it turns out Shelly is a little little trickster. And it's not really Shelly. She's some sort of ghost phantom apparition. Yeah, well, she explodes into snakes. All of a sudden. Yeah. Pretty cool. Did you, ever, did you ever watch Supernatural? No. Okay, so this kind of reminds me of, there's two guys that are doing like fight off Supernatural stuff and they've got a shotgun, kind of very similar to the shotgun that David has. Uh-huh. So it kind of reminded me a lot of Supernatural in this part. Yeah, this movie reminds me of a lot of stuff. It kind of feels almost like uh, Bill and Ted meets Evil Dead. Yeah, it's something. A, I always yeah. describe it as like Donnie Darko meets Evil Dead. Sort of. Okay, yeah, I can see that. It's a horror, sci-fi, comedy, action movie. Yeah, we're talking about it. So, (laughs) one of my favorite parts, John touches the dick door. Door, Oh, yeah. Door handle turns into a (laughs) dick. He's like, that door cannot be open. Anyways, we get the meat monster scene. Fuck yeah. I love that it was clearly a guy in a suit, but it made me so happy to see this that it was a practical effect. Yep. It was it was cheap and practical and done well for the most part. Yeah. It's fun and silly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. So the monster mentions Marconi. And they they call him up on the phone. So we meet again, Marconi. You thought <laughs> he explodes. Marconi says something to him. Yeah. So Marconi's pretty good, apparently. Yeah, I don't know what he says to him. Cut back to Arnie and David talking. Arnie mentions that he's seen some forums discussing John and David. David does like the little coin trick. He's like tells him the exact dates that's on the coins yeah. in his pocket. Yeah. Kind of showing off some of his soy sauce superpowers. Oh, parlor tricks. Parlor tricks. And then he tells Arnie his dream from the night before. And that gets Arnie's attention. That was quite the interesting dream that he called out. What, his mother chasing him with a a whip made of penises? Yeah. Yeah. That happens to you a lot, doesn't it? Every night. <laughs> so he tells Arnie how it all started a couple of years ago at a party. 
like how all this soy sauce craziness began. And he's at John's Band's show. The Three Armed Sallies, which I feel like that's a joke that I'm not getting. Which is kind of how I feel about a lot of like college rock bands are. The name of their band is something that I just don't quite get. Because mm. I'm an old man. So, <laughs> it's Don Coscarelli's son on guitar. Oh, he really? Had, yeah, he actually wrote all the music here. So, David meets Amy. One-armed Amy. Yeah. One-hand Amy. Oh, yeah. One-hand Amy. And eventually, David meets Robert Marley. Get it? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Skeptic Man. David is uh, very weary of uh, Mr. Bob Marley's magic abilities. Yeah. He calls him out. Rasta Man, he, he breaks down David's dream from the morning before. I really enjoy this whole scene here. Yeah. Like... Tells him about a dream he had and how he woke up at the exact same time as the clap of thunder. He's and like, how did the mind know that the thunder was coming? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I love shit like that because I have had these thoughts before as well. Yeah. Because I've had those little moments before, little weird synchronicities. It's like, how the fuck did that happen? You owe me a beer, man. Well, he also says, like, uh, would you like me to tell you the name of your soulmate? Oh, yeah. Or when the first nuclear warhead's going to hit American soil, which city it's going to be in. Yeah, great scene. I love it. So he finds Bark Lee, Amy's dog. He vomits before driving off. It's always a good sign when you're driving off, yeah. So right here, there's kind of like a little gap of time. Yeah. Which we will later, later in the movie find out something significant happened here. Yeah. You also find out that Bark Lee was lost. Amy was trying to find the dog, uh-huh. and that the Barkley also bit Robert Marley. That's right. David wakes up on the couch. John calls him. John is freaking out in his apartment. David finds the soy sauce and puts it in his pocket, so they drive to a coffee shop. Doesn't John, like, call him at one point? Yeah, so they're at yeah. the diner, and he's having... He, John tells him to answer the phone because he's getting the phone call. Yeah. And sure enough, it's from John. He's like, Wait, are you talking to me right now? Mm-hmm. Well, talk to me on the diner. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, so David calls the priest. David leaves. He's driving down the road, pulls over, calls a priest. Who's playing that priest, Jason? It's Angus Scream of Phantasm Thing. That's right, who has since passed away. He has. Yes. I think the last movie he made was that last Phantasm movie, which, again, looks pretty awful. Really? Yeah. Well, while David is talking to him... He gets injected with the soy sauce that's in his pocket for some reason. I do really love this part, though. He's like, son, I'm going to be honest with you. We both know you're fucked. <laughs> this part's like really dark and trippy. His eyes are all black when he's yeah, talking to him on the phone. He's like, yeah. Waves of maggots over oceans of rot. And it's like, ooh. Visually, I love all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Dark, trippy shit. So this movie's like right up my alley. Yeah. Especially moments like this. Sort of pulsating, high contrast. Anyways, David is driving off, and who pops up in the back seat? Doug motherfucking Jones. The, kind of the more famous David Howard Thornton, sort of. He's known for his kind of body movements. Not as much for his acting, but he's in a lot of Guillermo del Toro movies. Yeah, he played um, 
the Shape of Water. Yeah. The fish Man guy. He was also Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies and the Pale Man and the Phone in Pan's Labyrinth. Have you seen that movie? No. It's really good. Have not. Yeah. He also played the Scarecrow guy in Hocus Pocus. That's right, he did. Yep. Nice. Yeah, he's been a lot of stuff. Yeah. So he grabs David from behind the back seat and this bug thingy comes out and like latches itself onto David's chest. Yeah. My name is Roger North. Korak is a powerful adversary. And he he asks all these existential questions. Like, when you hear a word for the first time, have you ever noticed you'll hear it within 24 hours? And have you ever, have you ever seen a single shoe on the side of the road? Ever since I saw this movie, anytime I see a single shoe on really? the side of the road, I <laughs> always think of this movie. How did it get there? I don't know. Exactly. Does How it have shoelaces in it still? Probably not. Half the time I don't when I see them on the side of the road. Yeah, like did somebody just throw out a shoe? Maybe. Have you ever thrown shoes on a power line before? No, I haven't. I've I have thrown not. soccer cleats on a power line before. It was a fun thing. Everybody was trying to do it, so I did it one well, I got one shot. Oh, Everybody wow. was trying to get that, and I was like, I felt pretty awesome. I was in high school. Maybe I should class up my... <laughs> my road out here and throw some shoes up there. I'm sure my neighbors will appreciate just it. Just go to the thrift store and get all the old shoes you can get and just like load it down. Oh, man. <laughs> so David burns the bug thing with a cigarette lighter and puts a gun up to his head? Yeah. And he gets out to stomp the bug. Doug Jones gets away. Roger North mm-hmm. gets away. I've got a question. Sure. So the line he gives to to Doug Jones when he's got the gun up to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, have you ever heard of that? I want to shoot you so bad my dick is hard. Uh-huh. I didn't really enjoy that line so much. I thought it was like, that's you, you're, you're forcing the joke. There's there's uh, something there. Let me just workshop it a little bit before you put that one to film. Okay. It was trying a little too hard. Yeah. Okay. That's a, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Well, Detective Lawrence Appleton shows up. This guy's awesome. Do you know what other movie he was in? Uh, yes. Tell me. He was the teacher in Gremlins. Remember the science teacher? That's right. He was in Gremlins. Yeah. And he used to be married to Aretha Franklin. Oh, good for him. Yeah. The guy's great in this. He's like, get the fuck out of the car. (laughs) (laughs) So he interrogates him at the station. He asks David about, like, people from the party... But while doing this, David starts to hallucinate because he's on soy sauce. He's like, now you're getting high, partner. It's the soy sauce. It's got you. (laughs) The detective's like, there's nine people at the hotel. All of them except John and David are dead. And he shows them Bruce Matthews, a.k.a. Bob Marley, the guy that gave him the soy sauce. Apparently he's dead. And he walks out of the room, comes back and says, your friend, he's dead. Talking about John. Yes. And it goes back to Arnie and David talking in the diner. So Arnie kind of starts uh, pandering to him a bit. He's like, you know, I think you got a good book. And he thinks he's like trying to be a mentalist or something like that Marconi guy. So they walk outside and he shows Arnie the... You know, he's like distracting in front of his face. And mm-hmm. then like at the corner of his eye, he sees this spider thing that you saw previously in John's apartment for half a second. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Arnie freaks the fuck out. As I would, too, if I saw a giant crab spider like that. Great reaction from Paul Giamatti. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's some some good acting. He's like, (laughs) holy shit, what the fuck? What the fuck, man? 
So he does this to convince Arnie to like, hey, this shit's real. Come back inside. Let me finish my story. Yeah. So we're back in the interrogation room. Cop's like, look, I'll be back in five and you're going to tell me the truth. So John calls Dave. Tells David to leave. He says, like, mustache man that's in the room isn't real. And mustache man grabs him and John, sorry, Dave punches the mustache off, turns into a bat, and he rips his arm off. All this kind of reminds me of Evil Dead. Yeah, I can see that because it's very slapstick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's all, you can see how this movie is one of the, the first times where you can really see this movie's budget kind of hurt because he's clearly just slapping his face and they added that CGI thing pretty later. The mustache is trying to get to him. That was the yeah. worst effect in the movie, I thought. Uh, but the rest of the, I mean, the scene works. It's fine. But that was a little distracting to me because I was like, eh. Yeah. Hey, less than a million budget. Exactly. So for that, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is excusable. There's nothing like, holy shit, that looks awful. And also, I think Don Coscarelli was able to get a lot of the effects work because he was had a lot of friends in the industry. Yeah. So they were like, okay, we'll help you out. Yeah. We'll, we'll do you solid. So David is walking down the street, and John calls him on the phone. Even though his phone's broken, he's like, goodbye, Bratwurst, and he talks to him through the Bratwurst. Yeah. I thought this was all a little too silly. Really? I wasn't a big fan of it. It didn't really serve any purpose at all. And of course, yeah, it was I've just never... a cheap gag to get yeah. a laugh, and it just felt a little... One of my critiques of this movie, it needs a little more horror. Like, just a splash. It needs just a There's little... some other things that it needs. Uh, but I know you haven't had bratwurst in a long time, I'm assuming. Or like a like a street meat bratwurst, I guess. Yeah, there's some good Beyond sausage. Yeah, I know. Anyways, yeah, you, you give me some before. It's pretty good. But have you ever had lettuce like that on a bratwurst? No, never seen that. I've never seen that before either. I've seen mustard and onions. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So he talks to him on the phone via a bratwurst. All right. So he eventually drives to the trailer park and finds Bob Marley's trailer. There's a coffee can in the freezer. It falls out and explodes out of the can. And the sauce essentially attacks David. Yeah. It turns into little flies and buries itself into his face. Yeah. And he's like freaking out, like saying how he just wants it to end. And it's like really jumpy editing. And then, come. Then he kind of disintegrates. This whole space scene here, I really like this. Really? It's talking about the Big Bang and predetermined destiny. I like this kind of shit. Nah, it was it was kind of like, okay. Really? Yeah, it was... Eh. So, fun fact. I should say this. First time I ever saw this movie, um, I'm going to say this not to sound like cool guy, uh-huh. but... First time I ever saw this movie, I was coming down from a little substance called acid. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So I was like, you know, coming back down, but not quite fully in reality. Okay. So when I saw this movie for the first time, a lot of this stuff yeah. was like, whoa. <laughs> I fucking love this. Yeah, this totally is a drug movie. Like, yes. It's, it's very much a drug movie. Highly recommend it. Yeah. If you're ever going <laughs> It's a good watch. So next time I drop Sid, I want to watch John Dizey on TV. Exactly. Ooh, those political campaign ads halfway through would are really going to hit hard. Ugh. Yeah. Don't <laughs> watch, like, the news or something yeah. if you decide to do that. Yeah. Trip safely. Oh, man. And smart. 
But anyways, there's a brief glimpse of a bullet manufacturing plant. I guess like while he's on the soy sauce, he can see like like where the bullet was made and how it was manufactured. Yeah, and, and a fly gets in the bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little bit confusing. It plays into it in a, little, in a minute. But yeah. Yeah. Well, he wakes up and the cop is standing there with a thing of gasoline in his hand. The cop talks about what he saw in the trailer, like during the police call, and it kind of flashes back. He pulls up, and there's like chaos everywhere. It's people being attacked by little bug thingies, and oh yeah, those flies. It almost looks like something you would see around fungus or like something rotten. Yeah. So, from my understanding, like if you can't serve a purpose for the soy sauce, it kind of discards you, and you explode into these fly things it's yeah. kind of like it's the the way the the soy sauce kills you yeah because they said at some point they say later that you don't choose the soy sauce the soy sauce chooses you much like the thug life and exactly one of my biggest gripes about this movie is i need a little bit more backstory and the whole motivation of the the soy sauce and what's i guess it's trying to destroy the world eventually but i don't really mm-hmm. know why or how Okay, you're talking about the scene that's coming up in a little bit. No, no not when, even the Korok stuff. The Oh, the no, I'm talking about when John is riding in David's truck and mm-hmm. he fills him in on all this backstory about how the soy sauce is going to take over the world. Like, this is all dumped in, like, yeah. a minute's time that's, like, in a dri- on a drive. Yeah. And it's like, here's all this info, viewer. Yeah, there's Figure a out. couple of things here that's like, okay, we got to get a little exposition here. Yeah, well... Oh, we're going to get there in just a second. Yeah. So, the cop fires the bullet, and I guess it ricochets. Somehow, because the fly was then, the, the the fly from the earlier bullet manufacturing scene. Yes. Was in the bullet that the cop fired at David. Uh-huh. And somehow, the fly ricocheted, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, David wakes up. There's flames everywhere. And Barkley, good boy, good boy, crashes through the house driving the truck and saves David. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So John, as the dog, is talking to David. And Okay, this is when he dumps all the info on him. Yes. It's like he explains that Justin has him and it says that Amy and the other guy, Fred, Fred are the last two left alive and says that people that are on the sauce will begin to hatch the same way as the Jamaican guy. If it can't use it, it kills you. And then he talks about how this happened once before and it, it's going to take over the world in like four days or something. Yeah. And yeah, that's quite a lot of info. For I was a, like, but why though? <laughs> that was my whole thing. I was like, I see what it what it's doing, mm-hmm. but why is it doing this? It was kind of like what I was, and then the other sort of thing uh, to, that drives it to uh, it has to do with Korok. Yeah, but I couldn't really see the correlation between, between we'll soy get, sauce and Korok. We'll get the Korok stuff a little bit later. Okay. All right. Well, David gets home, and Justin is in his house. Justin, yo, he's Justin, yo. He shoots him in the head. He comes back to life. I mean, that that part's pretty cool. It's pretty funny. And I've, everybody's seen plenty of Justins in their lifetime. Oh yeah, we all know the this guy, guy that won't take bong rips and starts randomly rapping at you what he's doing at that very moment. <laughs> oh, I'm wow. like, you can just live here. We don't have to start rapping about this moment where I just took a bong rip with you. It's an oddly specific thing. You've never had that happen before. 
yeah, back when I used to smoke, yeah. there were so many uncomfortable, like, oh, there's eight of us sitting around watching Family Guy and nobody's saying anything. This is weird. I want to fucking leave. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of just wanted to buy this weed and go home and yeah. smoke it by myself. Yeah. But you don't want to be rude. They're yeah. like, hey, can we smoke some? It's like, that? sure. I remember one time <laughs> my old roommate had a friend that would come over and sometimes he would do this. We had a table. Remember that table where everybody would like write their names on it? Yeah, vaguely. Somebody, this guy, he, he came in and he spelled his name wrong and left. This is how dumb this guy was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I didn't realize it the next day. So I was like, hey, hey, you know, I'm just saying his name was Fred. You know, Fred spelled his name wrong on this table, right? And I was like, <laughs> shut up, really? <laughs> so Justin comes back to life and he knocks out David. So he has Amy, David, and Fred in the back of a truck. They're John's back there too. Yes, John's back there too, and they're going to go to the mall. Yes, because that's where the ghost door is. Exactly. I guess, that, guess that's where the dimension door to the other dimensions at. But while they're in the back of the truck, David puts his arm around Amy. Yeah. So I guess they're a thing. Because this is the only the second time he's ever met Amy in this movie. Yeah. He's been talking about. He talks about he has a crush on her because I mean she's cute. Yeah, that's it's fine, like, but. It's like, oh, they're a thing now. Yeah. Okay. Again, again, this movie kind of needs a little bit more backstory on some things that are going on. Yeah. So they arrive at the mall. Hey, here's a fun fact about malls. Yeah. There hasn't been a new mall built since 2005. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Malls aren't going to be a thing. So... Especially post-COVID. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be rethought after this. Especially the Kenston Mall. When's the last time you walked through there? Is there even anything in there? Literally the DMV, and that's it. Not even Chick-fil-A is in there anymore? Nope, there's no food court. There's nothing, just the DMV, but you can still walk around in the mall. Oh, yeah, I know. And the little music's playing, and it's deserted, and it's super creepy. Somebody could probably film a low-budget horror movie there and get away with it. I know what we're doing as soon as this COVID's wrapped up. We're going to make a movie in a mall. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, it's really weird. And we're going to call it Night of the Living Dead 2, because we can legally do that. Really? Well, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a public domain movie, so I'm assuming we can probably do that. I feel like somebody would have done that. Oh, they did 3D. Night of the Living Dead 3D with what's-his-face. Sid Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so a door pops up. It's a ghost door. Justin goes out to the front of the mall because he found a letter that said so. Yes. And you also find out that he needs Amy to open this ghost door because she has a, a phantom limb kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because they're trying to fight him. He says a word I've not heard in a long time. Y'all keep giving me static, yo. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> well, he gets shot by the cop. He shows back up. So the cop is driving them away. And I really like this part. While he's speaking, he stops and his eyes explode all of yeah, a sudden. Pretty that was pretty fuck, cool. Pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And he begins to hatch the same way that the Jamaican guy did with all the bugs coming out. Yes. And they enter Fred. He gets taken over by the bug things. Which was a funny thing because when he was on the phone in the truck with John from the future, he said, oh, we're on the mall. Oh, Fred's not dead yet. So we still got plenty of time. Fred's like, Wait, what was that? I'm oh, gonna die. Yeah, that's right. Well, they asked Fred to turn around and they shoot him in the head. Coward's way right there, bud. Good head explosion. Yes, but you yeah. never shoot anybody in the back or the dick. 
That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. What if you shoot them through the back of the ass and it comes out through your dick? Well, I mean, that's a double way. That's a bad way to go. Man. Shot through the asshole. Shot through the ass and you're to blame. Oh, my God. You gave my dick a bad name. All right. (laughs) So they all gather weapons and decide to go through the ghost door. Amy has to use her ghost hand to open it. And they go inside, and Doug Jones shows back up. Yes. He explains that they have been trying to develop a way to pass between dimensions with no luck. But John and David can. Marconi can, too. And he says that the entity Korok is on the other side of the portal. Do they really explain why Marconi could do this, or how he got there? No. Or he just kind of showed up. Yeah, there's really not a lot of backstory on Marconi. Again, that was another thing. I need a little bit from Marconi other than him exploding a meat monster, which was awesome. Yeah. Marconi gives John and David a military-grade weapon, kind of like a bomb. It's a Cold War-era bomb that could blow up a city the size of Moscow. That's right. So they go through the portal into Eyes Wide Shut World, as John calls it. Yeah. And there's mask-wearing nudist people. In the so what did this seem like when you're on acid? Uh, or even when you're coming down from... Oh, it was... Yeah, probably pretty weird. Mm-hmm. That's why I really like the Jamaican scene guy. Yeah. I like that part a lot. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're reading my mind. <laughs> Dude, this movie's blowing my mind, man. <laughs> so the leader guy starts explaining their history about... Some guy, Mr. Rooney, that did some stuff. Not going to lie, I'm lost here. Yeah. This part. This was... He's talking about the history of their world. So it was pretty much the exact same as our world, but one person in our world died pretty early on, and in their world, he lived, and he created this thing that eventually became Korok. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where everything really converges and differs as far as our planets go. And I still was not sure about how the Korok monster brain thing mm-hmm. correlated to the soy sauce stuff. Yes. Yeah, I hear you. That's so the leader wants them. Okay, hey, do you know who's playing this guy? The leader. No, I couldn't tell who it was. Do you remember in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2? You want to sit on my Jolly Green Giant? Oh, God. Yeah, okay, now I, you see, I can see. Yeah, it's that guy. He's been in a lot of stuff. Actually. Yeah, I mean, he's a recognizable guy. He's a that guy. You know, you don't know his name, but you see him say, oh, hey, that guy. I know that guy. He's been in this thing. Mm. Well, that is that guy. So he wants them to show him how to cross over back and forth between worlds. And the goons grab John and David because they're going to feed them to Korok. John lights a dude on fire. And John and David go to leave. But the timer on the bomb stops. And that's when Barkley makes the ultimate good boy sacrifice. Yes. And grabs the bomb in his mouth and jumps towards Korok. Which is like a giant sludge monster in the the floor. Yeah. Thus saving the world. And then Marconi walks John and David out. I gotta say. Classic. I gotta say. Pretty anti-climate. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But I like all this stuff with Paul Giamatti. Oh yeah, that between part's him cool. And, yeah, between uh him and uh David. Yeah. Which is coming up right now, so let's talk about it. So Arnie 
ask about Korok. David tells him Amy wasn't happy about Barkley dying, but they are still dating. Yeah. He says that him and John still hang out, too. Arnie's like, all right, this is amazing. I want to go public with this story. He wants to show the world the soy sauce and get it analyzed. Then Arnie starts telling his journalism story, and he mentions something about him being black. Yes. But Arnie's not black, so he gives himself away, and David laughs at him and starts to walk out. Yeah. So apparently, Arnie was is a figment of David's imagination. He's a ghost. Because at the beginning, uh, Shelly, she also, they saw her as two different people. Oh, that's right. So that was kind of planned earlier as that happened sometimes with phantoms or ghosts or whatever. Oh, okay. So he died, I think they said later, like two weeks ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then you see in the trunk a headless Paul Giamatti, or what he was. That's right. He opens the trunk, and he sees his own severed body in his trunk. And Arnie's denying that he's a ghost. Yeah. And yeah, it turns out that Dave projected Arnie. David says that Arnie assumed the shape of what he thought he looked like. And I I think this is really funny how Arnie's, how Giamatti's acting this. He's like, I am real. I've got a (laughs) vacation. I'm going to Atlantic City. I got tickets. (laughs) And he's like, I refuse to believe that blah, blah, blah. And then he just blinks out of existence. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that aspect. There's lots about this movie that I do like. There's lots of aspects of this movie I do like. Genuinely, I do like. I just think it needs a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, to it, I guess you could say. A little bit more explanation, a little bit more whys and wherefores. All right, so then credits start to roll. And it's going back and forth in between credits. And David and John shooting hoops. So a hole to another dimension pops up and they cross over. This woman runs up to him and collapses and the slug thingy comes out of her mouth. A captain of the Human Liberation Army shows up, wants them to help them save the world. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll do that. But we got to go back to our world and get some supplies and then we'll come back. Yeah. They walk away in slow-mo. Music's playing, and that's it. it. Credit credits. Yes. Now, did you realize, did you see that the outfit that the Human Liberation Army guy was wearing was a costume from Galaxy Quest? I read that. I've never seen Galaxy Quest. It's a pretty good movie. Tim Allen? Yeah. It's like maybe one of the few good Tim Allen movies. The rest of them are pretty trash. I do like, uh, I like the... The endings here. The original ending was just an interview with Marconi, but the director felt it was anticlimactic. I can kind of see that, because Marconi's a character we don't even really know about. He's just a person that's there. Yeah. So, there you go. On a ten-point scale, what do you give this movie, Jason? Six and a half. Really? Yeah. Uh, Like I said... I do like a lot of aspects about this movie. I like that it's a mashup of a whole lot of different genres. You mm-hmm. know, I like that it's an action movie, a comedy movie, a horror movie, a drug movie. You know, I like this all in there, and the performances are good. It's just some of the story really needs a little bit more explanation to some things. Like, again, we know what the soy sauce is doing. We just don't know why it's doing any of the things it's doing. Korok, he's mentioned briefly at one point, and then he mm-hmm. just kind of is there. And they give the exposition dump when they go to, what was it, uh, uh, Eyes Wide Shut World. 
Yeah. You know, well, I, I like the cartoon. I kind of like that, but it still felt like a, here's all this information we'll throw at you and then we're going to blow it up. And that was pretty anticlimactic, Barkley. Yeah. I well, guess some of it was probably budgetary things. Like, I completely understand that. But mm-hmm. still, it just needs a little bit more explanation for some of the stuff to really work for me. Like, it does. I agree. However, I think a lot of that could be solved if, check it out, TV series. I mean, yeah. This would have made a great TV series. There's three books. So, as a movie, it there's too much information to jam into a movie. Yeah. If this were like uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead... Yeah, that sort of format that would have mm-hmm. worked great. That kind of tone to it would have uh-huh. been really good for this kind of thing. Yeah, this would have been a great like five episode, one hour each. Yeah, sort of little series. And uh, from understanding the two follow up books, because this is just the one book. Mm-hmm. There's two subsequent books. I think there's a fourth one on the way. Okay. Uh, I think they're also really really good. I think the second one's called This Book Is Full of Spiders. Yeah. And the other one's like, why are you reading this or something like that? Uh-huh. So I think it could be right for another adaptation. I think it could do it really justice. I just think it needs a little bit more. Like, this movie's not even two hours long, and all the yeah. stuff they throw at you is a lot. Well, look, as is, I am still going to give it an eight. Okay. I'm going to give it a, sh- a light eight. Okay. For a low budget, a very low budget. Everybody's great in this. Mm-hmm. Practical effects. It's highly original. Yes. Uh, cons, it crams too much, especially into the last act. There's just this kind of overstuffed, and you're like, what the, wait, what's going on here? And so, yeah, I, I hear all those critiques. Like I said, could have been a great series. Yeah. And it could have been like, you know, throw like maybe like a million dollars an episode in mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like, you know, like I said, five episodes, a million dollars a piece. That would have been a, yeah. pretty good. For what it could have been, I give it a 9 out of 10. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, if we could wave a magic wand and sure. be like, TV series. Yeah. Bigger budget, but keep all this. Yeah. Everything you're doing is working. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, every time I rewatch this movie, I want it to be better because yeah. there's so much I'm rooting for. It's mm-hmm. like Don Cascarelli, practical effects, Paul Giamatti, yeah. Meat Monsters. Drugs. Stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Who doesn't love drugs? <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that word. Yeah. That's a blanket word that Yeah. But yes. Anyways. Yeah, for those those reasons I still really enjoy this movie. Yeah. It's definitely not a movie for everybody. No, like, it certainly isn't. Yeah. It's feels like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy kind of movie. That one has mm-hmm. another similar tone to this one. It's uh like I said, it's it's very different. The normies won't like it, if you want to call them that. You know, sure. your guy who wants your friend who wants to go home and watch Mad Men every night, he's not going to like this mo- this kind of movie probably. Right? Yeah, yeah. True. But if you're listening to Spook House podcast, you probably would enjoy this movie. I think everybody should watch it at least once, especially if you like horror and stuff. Oh, and yeah. speaking of horror, could have used with a little more horror. Like, yeah, like a couple of, like give me like one, maybe two, like genuinely creepy moments. Like, in this movie, I guess the closest parts would be, like, maybe the priest and his eyes turning black, like, mm-hmm. kind of more demonic-tinged stuff. Yeah. I like that sort of shit. So, maybe a couple more of those kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Maybe replace that with Bratwurst telephone scene or some <laughs> of the some of the parts that are like, okay, that's a little silly. 
Anything else, Jason, on John Dies at the End? No, I think we got it. I think we I think we done did it. I think we done did the damn thing. I guess there's not a whole lot else to say about John Dies at the End. Will you ever rewatch this? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I yeah. usually go back about once every two years or so. Really? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but this is, I enjoy, I mean, it was a good recommendation. We didn't even talk about what theme it was this month. It was, you know, this was the first of the movies that I have not watched that you have. That's right. Yeah. And then coming up next week is Mothman Prophecies, a movie Phil's been wanting to do since, I don't know, last June, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> that is streaming on... You can rent it from Amazon Prime. I do know that You much. can rent it from Amazon Prime. I don't know if it's streaming free anywhere. It might be streaming somewhere. So... Find it, watch it. Yeah. Get back to us next week <laughs> when we talk about it. Would it be our, the first cryptid movie we've done? I believe so. Nice. Very nice. I'm looking forward to watching. I remember when it came out. I just never got around to it. Richard Gere. He's coming. That's right. <laughs> oh, every uh, 60 and above woman's crush. Oh, man. When he saw his penis in American Gigolo. Really? Oh, yeah. Never seen it. Well, got to. Now. You got to now. For, <laughs> for next week's episode, I will need you to just zoom in on American Gigolo. Oh, man. I will do that just for you. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we will catch y'all back here next week. But until then, I'm Phil. I'm Jason. And this has been the Spook House.